is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, 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 the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the film review game preview edition of Seattle Overload. We have Griffin, we have Ty, we have myself, Matty, mm. and we're going to be looking at the Geno Goodness, the defense stopping Russell Wilson. And I've just had a coffee. We've also got this lovely little, oh, hold on, perspective going on, whiteboard where I will try and draw up some of the concepts we talk about as uh, mainly Griffin's talking about it. Because uh, I know a lot of you have uh, have requested that. I know sometimes we get a bit lost in the weeds, and for some people, it, you know, whatever your experience of football and how much of a degenerate you are, like you might pick something up on the way. But we don't want to be like explaining the same concept for half an hour for everyone. But if we draw it up, then it should cover all the boxes. Hopefully, you'll also have to bear with me because first time doing this. We'll see it. What's up, Camden? What's up, Waterbro Joe 12 We see you in the comments. Please do like the video, subscribe to the YouTube, and uh, retweet it if you're on Twitter. We need that love because it helps us grow. So, first up, offense. Griffin, how good was Gino based hold, off hold up, hold up, hold up. For the audience, if you're, if you're a visual participant, whether live or, um, or recorded, um, you'll you'll enjoy watching Maddie awkwardly try to not get his pants in the frame. Ooh, <laughs> my sexy pants! Uh, he's awkwardly try to keep his upper half only in, in on screen. Um, anyway, so yeah, you also have to bear with me messing with the graphics on here because that is going to be an adventure. So we'll try to get Maddie blown up on the screen, we're but it might take a, a, a quick and second. We'll to, yeah, we're 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 very much professional podcasters, and you'll have to bear with me watching Thursday Night Football Prime Vision with Next Gen Stats broadcast. Okay, um, so you asked mm, me a question by AWS. Yeah. I asked you a question, and it was your time to shine, and instead you ad-libbed about so, other things. Uh, Gino, Gino your guy. Gino Smith is like, what is he, fourth in EPA per play after week one? Um, he was really good. And I actually thought, you know, he was as good in the second half for the most part. Like, he actually, some of his best plays came in the second half. Um, I think the um, the second half issues was just more, like, Pete Carroll just called it stuff and i was like oh that's perfect because that was just random crap i didn't like some of the play calls honestly i th- thought walter mm. ran a little cold there um God, and then like the, the sacks came and, and we've, we've talked about it the first sack pete said he could, i mean i think pete was just trying to keep it even with everything not to be too high on everybody i think the the play action sack that was just completely on cross i don't think there's any way for gino i mean if he steps up what does he step up into the play's dead if he steps up um on the other one nothing was open really but he still could have stepped up because that's what good pocket work would have allowed for um it was a gun five drop so yeah it's going to take you to 10 yards but at the bottom of your drop nothing's there hitch up whatever um yeah put that one on gino um i thought he was really good his average depth of um target was real low like bottom five like five yards but if you isolate into pure dropback situations, so no play action and gun only, not pistol, because that was, and we'll talk about that. That was a lot of uh, play action as well. But in actual pure dropback situations, he was middle of the pack, like 8.6 yards per um, per target, um, depth of target of air yards. So, I mean, he's pushing the ball downfield when they're actually asking him to play quarterback. Um, so that's, that's a good sign. Um, all in all, well, I don't know, Maddie. Do you have Ty? Do you guys have any other observations about Gino Gino's performance? I mean, accurate, decisive, by and large, good in the pocket. Yeah, uh, I am. Um, we, we, a lot of people have asked about you know why the offense stalled. We will cover that as a topic as well. But in terms of mm-hmm. like Gino's role in that, I, I agree with you, Griff. I don't really think he could have done much better. There was like two throws where I felt. He kind of he he was not as decisive as he had been in the in the first half. That being said, like 
one of them, it was like a, a third and 16 where the deep comeback to Fant, he could have thrown sooner. He kind of hesitated throwing, I think. But yeah. then the timing's a bit off because it's a deeper uh, drop, uh, a deeper concept than it ordinarily would have been because they were running it to the sticks. Um, it was open. And if he'd sort of trusted his first uh, thought there, then it would have been completed. But because he didn't and he just waited on it, uh, the corner was able to come and play it to the far, it was like it was a field throw, so to the wide side yeah. of the field. And he he'd got the pass break up, but really that is like kind of nitpicky. And then this, the second one is um, a bit earlier on, he had like a, a, a double post concept, or like an, two in-breaking routes. And like the deeper in-breaking route was kind of getting open. Uh, do you, do you know the play I'm talking about there where, where he throws it into the dirt in front of Lockett? Yeah. So, but, but it's like the quick game wide cross concept. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that ball was tipped though, but I, I thought that, up. that ball was tipped, but he had Goodwin. He saw the look and Goodwin. I don't know how open Goodwin was. He wasn't exactly screaming out of his break on the in on the in break on the dig. Um, and that was when I tweeted, I was like, well, yeah, Gino progressed to that. And as Maddie's drawing this up, Gino progressed to that. And I would have loved to have seen him throw it, but I, I don't know if that was a as throwable a look as, as you'd hope, because it's, it's to the quarter side of the formation. Uh, the, the, the corner is squeezing it okay. Like just isolated to the one-on-one look with the corner, it's targetable, not necessarily, necessarily like wide-ass open, but then you also have the quarter safety who can kneel down and it's to the field. I feel like the throw would have been safe, but it would have required a, a really good throw, though. That's where I w- wonder, like, man, if they had a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. in there, Gino probably throws that without hesitation. Um, I mean, that assumes that Odell is still who he was with the Rams um, after his after his injury. Um, but that's just me, you know, fantasizing at that point. But, uh, yeah, but I, I like that it was in his process to – to to progress to it, even if he didn't like the look. Matty, look, look at this production value, by the way. Like, yeah. hats off to us. We're we're doing a this great is, job here. Yeah, that is, this is such the, a show right now. The quick game. Yeah. Uh, what, it is a show. It's the Seattle Overload show, and uh, yeah, this That's is kind right. of concept. But unfortunately, I'll work it out next time where I don't actually stand in front of half the drawing and I sort of adjust my mic properly. But that you know, I think that's pretty good. Uh, the lot, but the the thing is, like Griff. Um, with that concept, like he still worked his way to the backside, right? So, like, and he still, you know, yeah, he turned down his the the dig, which was kind of the corner was in a good undercut position. It was a bit riskier, like you said, the quarter safety up there. He was close to kind of jumping on it, right? Right. And then and then he just works to the backside, lock it's open, and it's just a shame. I mean, you can criticize him for missing it. He should have he should have hit that, but that's the one miss he had. And then again, that ball was tipped when he threw it to Lockett. Yeah. Um, so, which, you know, you can still put on the quarterback, I guess. You got to get it over the line of scrimmage. Um, yeah. So, but he had some absolute clutch plays. There, there, there are scenarios where the offense, Waldron, is just like, we need a bucket. And right now that means Gino just isolating Tyler. He's clearly his go-to receiver at the moment, at least for this game. And it's letting Tyler just win went on the outside with either a comeback or like an out route from a reduced split. And he trusts that Lockett's going to get open and he throws it even like starts to throw motion before Lockett actually cuts. And they, they worked that. Then also he had the one third and 10 completion to DK Metcalf got rid of the ball before DK, you know, was not even like stopping his feet yet. Just perfect timing. He put it inside and high where only DK could get it and, you know, tight window throw, 14 yards downfield, whatever it was. And it's just like, wow, that was awesome. And then, of course, it was fall. And so, like, D- so Gino was, like, dealing at that moment, that point in time. Um, and then, of course, the the DK fumble on the, uh, on the swing pass following, which kind of ruined all their progress right there. Um, Matty, are you drawing that play up right now? Yeah, I think that's it, but I'm in the way of it. So let me just back yeah. off. <laughs> there you go like little little throw into quarters where front side he actually had a 
Oh, it wasn't interquartered actually. It was a cover three fire zone, wasn't it? But, yeah, um, yeah, it was. It, it worked out pretty nice because um, he had a he had like a uh, a dagger or like a, a Swiss or coin concept front side, right? Like I'll, that's I'll right. He did. That up. And, and okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then, because he opens there, but then he comes off of it really quickly. And I don't. I remember thinking that this. I don't know if the max or normal split, meaning the the distribution of the receivers formation served them there because it took so long for Lockett's inbreak to actually clear that the like the middle hook defender or like the hot to three defender, the the linebacker is what I'm saying. Because you want that route to break horizontally and get inside of that um get inside of that linebacker. And that there's no way that look was getting there. So he moves off of it and hits DK on the isolation and again throws a great ball and everything. Um but yeah, beyond that, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So to recap with that, and just an overall thing is the process that we saw, regardless of the results of the preseason, right? Which is very much reliant on the other ten guys on offense doing their jobs, right? Regardless of all that, the process was there, where we were in a situation where the process has continued into week one, and it works. Like, okay. Um, the positive first half, there were a few coverage busts from Denver, but a, you know a quarterback who's not executing the right process consistently, and it's not even the right process. It's a it's an excellent process. Just to say it's right is sort of belittling and like underplaying how good Gino's been, right? Like yeah. it's an it's an excellent process. Like and and that process has continued, and he took was able to take advantage of some of Denver's busts. They were also partly a result of scheme. So. The overall scheme, Griffin. A lot of lot of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. So Seattle's Seattle's structure right now. This is so so. You know, we we were talking about this when we we're talking about gun running, not gun running. Um, they are running. They've transitioned away from you know what is the Russell Wilson offense, which was designed to fit his unique strengths. And now that they're, they're they're essentially living in the kind of McVeigh the McVeigh world now, it's it's Waldron running running his offense. Um, that means that when they're an under center now, the under center behavior looks very similar, and that you know it's lots of outside zone and then play action boots and stuff. Um, but it's like when they go into shotgun, they have shaved out their gun runs. Like they they had ten pure shotgun, not pistol, but and we'll get into pistol. They had 10 shotgun snaps that were not uh pistol. It was just pure shotgun, like r- running back to the side of um, to the, the quarterback. They had 10 shotgun snaps and 10 call dropbacks on a single gun run. So what that means is you can now spend less total. Well, actually, before we get to what that means with what you do with those excess snaps that you're no longer running with, the statement there is that your, your dropback game is self-balancing you don't need gun runs anymore because and you don't need gun play action anymore because your your drop back game is imposing enough constraints on the defense in enough areas to where you you are stretching them in all directions which is thus balanced so the passing game is self-balancing in shotgun right now because that's gino can work work the progression he'll do what the that the play call asks of him that allows the play calls then to sequence things. Then it becomes like a greater, you know, greater than the sum of your parts equation. Gino executes and the scheme benefits Gino and then Gino benefits the scheme, et cetera. Then you can actually game plan. You can, you know, the, the play caller knows what his quarterback is going to do more or less. Um, so what that means is, so now that you are shaving your gun runs out of your gun sample what are you doing with those snaps you then get the benefit of pouring them into under center that then means more under center snaps ultimately means more under center play action snaps per total snap so the frequency of under center play action increases by virtue of being able to spend more time in under center um and of course under center play action is kind of a premium in the league right now like you can you any any play color worth their salt can take any schmuck quarterback and get production there. Like look at Mitch Trubisky. Sorry, that's a mean way to speak of Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> or Catching the point. Now, now the thing is you, you 
the better the quarterback <laughs> is, the even better the results are going to be. Now, what's interesting about this game, though, is that they actually didn't take those snaps and spend more time in under center. They they spent like um, 15 snaps in under center, 10 snaps in shotgun. What they did was they took those snaps and put them into pistol. And But when they were in pistol, they really did a variety of things at pistol, and we'll talk about why. But they ran some of their pure under center concepts in pistol. So like one single back pistol, the like 12 personnel, the wide zone running, the outside zone running, and then the play action concepts off of it. Uh, But then they also did a little bit of like RPOs to challenge the overhangs or the mic and stuff um, against too high structure. And and I thought that was to kind of because you wouldn't run like play action dig routes against, you know, half quarter quarter or you can, but it's not ideal. You'd rather do it against cover three. So like when we saw those like n- those now slants to Noah Fan and DK Metcalf when they're in pistol, that's them essentially replacing what would have been like drift strike or what Shanahan calls drift, what McVeigh and, and Waldron calls strike. So you're kind of instead of challenging, instead of challenging uh, those linebackers at the second window because you can get that quarter safety is nailing down or the curl defender on the other side of the cover two side can, can stay high on that route and leverage it. If you're running kind of essentially pairing a now slant with a pistol RPO or some, maybe one of them wasn't an R- true RPO it might've been like a pre-snap thing, not like a post-snap read. Um, you're still being able to get that kind of similar-ish production out of the same like wide zone principles, uh, wide zone action principles. Um, one of them was off of, was off of like GT counter, I think. So I'm, I'm talking a little bit out of my ass here. Um, but I think that was why they elected to go into pistol because they weren't getting a team that was going to play single high. Um, but then beyond that, when they went the full house pistol, like 21 personnel, like even or 12 personnel, but you got Disley in the backfield along with Noah Fant. That serves a couple of different purposes. Um, one, it gives you variety. So like you can do, yeah, if you have an advantageous front look, yeah, you can run... Well, would they run triple option on that one? Um, yeah. So they went when they went full house. It was awesome because you actually had the the triple option threat, and it was unfortunate because Denver didn't necessarily uh, respect the pitch. They had their backside four eye. Um, uh, he he kind of like cheated the play. Uh, he he backdoored it really well, but like removed the 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 the. Uh, what do you call it? The the take read from Smith, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that that's something I'm, I'm sure we'll see of Kenneth Walker and Penny up in there. Yeah. And and the the run diversity Griff, which you're big on and is necessary, right? You can't just be a wide zone team. Like teams will figure you out. And the way that they the kind of fronts and coverages and, and all that stuff, the defenses they run to stop wide zone. You got to have a counter punch, literally in like guard tackle counter, or in this case when they were. When they were in it, um, like <clears throat> Gartapical rap, right? Um, yeah. Where where uh, that was big. I'll just draw up the the full house thing. Uh, but um, I, on that point as well, Griff, Denver's defensive line was really really good. Like DJ Jones, especially, kind of cheats yeah. the math for them or maths, as I'd say. He's a great player. Jeremont was good. So then the other side, the other aspect, of this full house thing is when you are playing a quarters team and you don't and you're a safety and your number two is now in the backfield, meaning your number two receiver, like perimeter receiver, number one, then the slot is your number two. Then the next slot, if it was trips, would be your number three. But if your number two receiver is in the backfield, that influences the safety distribution and alignment. And even though like regular quarters and outside release on the outside still gets you one-on-one, when you shrink those those safeties splits, you're also, you're getting even more, of a um, one-on-one look on the outside. So when they went full house, they hit, they hit DK on the kind of that hinge route. And then on another one, they looked for him deep down the sideline. So I think this pistol formation is one to kind of try to catch them in an under center defense, because if you put out enough, if you put out enough like under center behavior when you're in pistol and you get an under center defense, then, that means their pass rush can't tee off as well because you're in a bare front. You don't have the, you don't have, you know, your, your second edge is dropping into coverage. It's three, 300 pounders rushing you in an edge instead of two, two, 300 pounders and two, 250 guys. 
that means you can catch them in a bad look to try to get deep outside. Um, and that was, I think, the other objective of this. So pistol is like bridging. And again, this might have been game plan, but it's bridging under center and it's bridging gun drop back. And then also it gives you different permutations to a, um, take advantage, like you were saying, of bat, of fronts that aren't equipped to defend multiple gaps changing. And so essentially it's the 2022 version of the McVeigh offense regaining lost balance that it doesn't have because I, I have a, sorry, I, I agree with that. And like the McVeigh, what does the McVeigh offense do to get seven man pass protection? They come out in empty and then they chip protect. Like they come out like this two wing backs, and then they chip pass pro on the ends. And so they, they can run the kind of drop back games you're talking about Griff Yeah. But with, with, with empty, with seven man protection. This pistol formation, early in the game, they came out in chip pass pro. Yeah. And and it is the same effect, but kind of genoified, right? Yeah. Like they're able it, to they're able to get chip pass pro from this. This is like what I do in NCAA 14 because you you're putting everyone you get an under center defense and you're getting everyone in the box and Heck, it's not a one-on-one because -on -one there's this crazy safety. But like you said, his two, which is this guy yeah. or this guy, is in the backfield. So you are accessing a one-on-one. -on -one. And and that that um, hinge route that Gino threw uh, early in the game, which someone which has was a on the right for what that is. But like the quarter safety tried to drive on it, but it's so far out that Gino had the arm strength, even far hash. Yeah. He was able to throw it anyway, so it's very impressive. Yeah. So, so the overarching theme here is essentially goes back to balance. So, like the, the McVeigh offense, pure form is you live in under center and you live in shotgun. Shotgun is like ninety percent pass rate on early down, and then under center that allows you to spend an exorbitant amount of time in under center, where your pass rate is like is like within the realm of what is normal for the league, like anywhere between 32 and 40%, which is where McVeigh lives. That's where most of the majority of the league lives. It's where Carroll lives, like, or the Seahawks live um, when they're in under center, the pass rate in there. Um, but so that means when you're in gun teams, know you are passing the ball and then they can, now they still were efficient in spite of that, but it's still, it's defenses are trying to box you in and trying to figure you out and isolate what you do and when, Pistol uh, kind of regains back some of the the tendency like obfuscation, like the defense can't put a finger on you anymore, and then it's 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 regaining lost balance that you don't have when you're in guns. So and and Pete talks about balance, and I think what balance means to him <clears throat> is just being able to impose a multiple constraints on the defense. It's not literally a a numbers game. He no longer needs the run game to do that in shotgun. That's why they're not running in shotgun. I think. I think whoever's idea, whoever's idea in house of of really embracing pistol, is a way to kind of get under center stuff, get shotgun stuff, be versatile in the run game whenever you want. You can hit a fade even when if it's there. Not that they did in this game, but that's the objective. So and they're able to do all this. Uh, maybe meet Pete's desires and still have a 60% pass rate overall. And they're not losing anything. They're not losing any of the benefits of the run game because tendency has been um, tendency can't be kneeled down. Now we'll have to see how this, you know, evolves over time and how things are game plan, but it's, it's very, it's very interesting. You could say um, kind of McVeigh tree. Um, well, like Evolution. Griff as well. I we have to at this point shout out a fellow Brit, um, Ollie Connolly. Uh, like in the preseason, he was writing about how pistols, what the McVeigh tree is going for, and how how it's is is for what the similar reasons to what you've just outlined. So that is like the new wave. Um, I like this as well. Like talking of like tenancy breaking coming out in the pistol look with the trips kind of presentation, and they picked up a a, a first down in third and short to Penny down on the sideline where they have all these guys in, in a condensed split in the trips. They then pre-snap motion from the pistol into like four strong gun and four strong gun was a big part of this game as well. And then they yeah. throw it to Penny in the flat classic pick concept. But if you come out in four strong, they think, Hey, pick, pick, pick. It's, 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 uh, 
short yardage, but coming out in the pistol to hide the tendency and then doing it. So it, it works for hiding tendencies of gun as well yeah, as yeah. as well as the uh, the undersend stuff. So so, so it, it, one more thing on exactly what you're saying. They showed pistol, and they're getting a like quote unquote under center defense, right? Then they motion, they shift even to gun, and then they run gun drop back, and now you have a softer pass rush, and yeah, so awesome. Anyway. So, real quick, why did the offense stall? I so the um, they had one concept. Well, there was when they were backed up in the end zone in the third quarter, they had the stick. They had the stick concept. It would have been a far far out throw and it would have been like disney would have had to have caught that it. that was the one play i felt gino you should have done better yeah and it would have been we're talking like a four yard gain i think here that still would have been better because he can operate really well in second and six obviously right like i don't know why he didn't take that one maybe he was thought the, the corner who was a cover three corner i think i think it was were... uh it was cover four to that side Okay. I thought, okay. All right. But so one-on-one technique, you thought me, even though like they're not playing palms, right. He might think he might just fall off because it's the distance of it far hash. Right. Um, and then I can't remember exactly what happened after there was that rollout where it was the, to the, to uh, Eskridge and Eskridge didn't run a good route, but I didn't like that play call. It's like, give Gino a drop back concept. Um, really, I thought the offense was best when they were running pure, deep drop or five-step drop concepts like actual actual quarterback play um and so I, I and his numbers were like really good this week i think he was like fourth in epa total epa on pure dropbacks as well um isolating that looking at the numbers uh so yeah i th- i think they just kind of stalled it was just the the sacks the fumble from dk I mean, that was they were probably rolling in that drive um yeah i don't know maddie what are your thoughts there well that's just the stick concept drawn up and i think what happened was he opens to this side this side of the field and he's looking for dk and they cover it quite well he had a zone indicator out here because he had a running back out wide uh the tight end was actually disley in the slot i've drawn that wrong this should be the receiver and the the thing is he should throw both of them like the stick is there and the linebacker's there. That it's the one play I thought, hang on here, what's going on here? Is has he got too, you know, has he got too conservative? But mm-hmm. then the next play, they throw he throws a really tight ball to Metcalf versus off man coverage. Metcalf didn't expect the ball out the break. He threw it so threw it so soon, and they got defensive pass interference. So the play didn't actually end up being the reason for the stalling. I think the stalling happened because the run game. Uh, they they had similar struggles where it was like up and down. Uh, I forget who it is, but the way their four eyes play on the backside of wide zone is the classic, really annoying thing of they're playing on the inside of the tackle. The tackle's trying to wash him down, so it's really nice. And then suddenly they're able to like win leverage and jump outside. And so the running back has gone to stick his foot in the ground. He's cutting all the way back against the grain. Mm-hmm. And then the, the four eyes just pop back outside into that C gap. And so the running back's like, crap, I've got I've got to hit this up the uh I've got to hit this up the um the B gap now. And and then it, it just runs out of spacing options. Yeah. They don't get the full on wash effect. So that De- like Denver's D line was damn good. Like I said that they struggled last year. I think I think they did, that's a fact. But um this time round they, they they were really good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so and they're under center behavior, like legit under center, not pistol. They started off the game, I think, with like four or five straight under center runs when they were in under center. And they ended up running like four or five straight play action concepts, I think, later on. So they're, they ended up being, they had 15 under center snaps and seven passes to, to, eight, um, to eight runs. So that's a 46% uh, pass rate, which is huge. But that's also what they were in the Wilson games last year um up until before like week 14 when penny really popped off and they're like okay we actually are better off running the ball winning under center now um but so like that's that's where most of the runs are going to come in is under center and they're still passing a lot in that in that um um in that set uh now most of the 
most of it was like movement. It wasn't a lot of pocket play action, but I think that's where they wanted the pistol for the, the pocket play action concepts. That's what they wanted. I think they wanted pistol for that. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That's just that point. I've drawn it up far too small. That was silly. But that's the point I was illustrating about running backs carrying wide zone and the, the Lucas penalty, which was ticky tacky, but it was probably the right call. He did hold him for just a bit too long. They actually got it hitting where they, the running back cuts back because they've got a nice wash up front, cuts back. The four eye who's been inside and is like the tackle's about to wash him, then just manages to get his ass outside and it, it prevents the play. So that's unfortunate. Right. But but overall, I don't think we should be uh, concerned about the offense. I think it's kind of like a perfect storm. I don't think it's like a carryover of last year, even though it felt like it was less of, you know, the smaller amount of plays. Yeah. So the defense. issue seemed like so like small and isolated, right? That you can live with it. Uh, it's just mostly like I just wish they ran the ball more. At the end of the uh or towards the end of the second half, that last real drive that they had. That's really it though. Yeah, the, 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 there was a time where they had a, that holding penalty killed that drive, and then DK's fumble killed yeah. a drive. Like mm-hmm. and, and Gino can overcome some negative plays. Like I'm not saying he can't. It's not like a Gino thing. That that was the big thing for me. It wasn't a Gino being bad or like worsening thing. Like he still was playing well, mm-hmm. he was still reading stuff out, the concepts are still getting open. There was like a play where they did um, sprint out uh, to hit like a speed out to. Um, was that the uh, Eskridge one? Away from four strong. Yeah. And they did it to Eskridge. And I'm like, it's, it's a nice yeah. play, but not to Eskridge. And Lucas there allowed some inside penetration, which, but like Eskridge should have worked back. He could have caught Lockett catches that, in my opinion. Anyway, uh, defense, because we've, we've been going half an hour. Defense. defense. How, how good was the defense griff are you con- actually better question are you concerned about how many yards they gave up or you know uh it was it was definitely like okay they only gave up 16 points it was definitely a mixed game in terms of how they off the defense actually played um and it should be said though like oh they had fumbles in the end zone but then also like how they got into the into the red zone was you could play the if and buck game both ways um, so I feel like the points were actually a true reflection of how the defense played overall. Uh, but yeah, so they had some significant issues defending like the slide route and flat routes off of play action. Um, and that was like either the, that was the, um, like the, the edge force either overrunning um, or it was, even if that guy was the, the flat, the flat defender, the edge guy, because remember when they were in bear, which they were, especially in the first quarter. Um, it's well, one guy's dropping, one guy's rushing, but but even still, they still have boot responsibilities. They were just overrunning it, um, and so they were getting uh, they're getting a lot of free yardage down there. They did a fine job defending the second level at play action. So between the linebackers and the nailing down safeties, they were fine there. Um, so it was like flat issues and then screens again. Although they they only gave up five point eight yards. Per play against Denver's, I think five screens, um, and only three of them went for were considered a success where it generates positive EPA. Actually, I don't know if the screens are that much of an issue as they felt like on broadcast because some of them happen on like third and long where they they would gladly invite a screen, right? Um, some of them, you know, were definitely they got them. And Russ executed them well, like he was, you know, getting the ball out like just inches over Cody Barton or like just squeezing it, you know, just inches around the alignment, right? So kind of squeaky stuff like that. Um, but then beyond that, most of the yardage they gave up was like out of structure stuff or like the the Judy play um, against Kobe Bryant. I felt like they defended Seattle's structure. I felt like defended Bronc, the Denver structure more more often than not in the actual dropback game um they defended the fade ball really well even if they got flagged for a penalty on that it was just because it was only a penalty because it was underthrown in my opinion on that one yep but i think that they held to the principles they were trying to they just need to seriously clean up their issues in the flat and of course the run defense early on um yeah the, the run defense early on i attribute that to like rust and um 
yeah, mainly just rust. Like they weren't crack replacing as quick as they could have done. Uh, they weren't they weren't setting the edge as well as they could. It was just like early stuff, and and the, like Denver didn't really change what they were doing. Seattle just played like executed better. Uh, the flat issue you're talking about was tricky because it's what we're talking about. Like their base call is tight will six, right? So that is quarters. Oh, I've, I've drawn it wrong. <laughs> Hold on. It's literally as simple as this, though. So it's quarters to the strength, which is this tight end here, and then cover two away, so a deep half, right? And yeah. so what was happening is either the, the way they managed to wind it back into the flat, they were they were causing issues by, like, running guys off and and and... Basically, it's, it comes down to them being sure of like whose job it was. But like, what I found was the real issue was when they they showed run away, right? So like, everyone's blocking this way, mm -hmm. like a run weak thing, and then the fullback winds back because then it's a case of the corner's been run off. And then who has this flat route? Well, it should be this defensive end, but Dowell Taylor didn't do that at the start. He was mm. going straight for Russell on the boot. And they kind of cleaned it up a bit more. So that it's just a thing of cleaning up. Like I, I don't I don't think it's a... but it is also like Denver was intelligent. The other thing I'd say is they were very simple in their calls. I'd say they had about ten calls on the day. Yeah. They had tight will six. They had tight saw. So this is tight will six. So court, quarters to the strength, uh, half away. Then saw is the same front. But it's fire zone. So five guys going at the line of scrimmage. Then they play three deep, three under underneath it. So cover three. So. Mm -hmm. And I think. Not to cut you off, but I think part of the reason why they were so simple is because they they culled like a large part of their coverage menu, their call menu, because they didn't want to give a lot of single high looks to Russ. So that just meant they had to live more in their two high looks. So beyond that, there wasn't a lot of reason to. Well, yeah, part, yeah I, I I agree. Uh, like Denver was simple too. So they were in essence matching. Yeah, Seattle basically had like a fire zone, a middle field open for base and then a fire zone two fire zones for like passing downs and then like three middle field opens um and, like, so... and one middle field closed like very very simple uh but but it worked like and and the encouraging thing is the half quarter quarter stuff and the quarter quarter half stuff like we knew russ wasn't good against that but he wasn't good against that like he struggled with that yeah, I mean, he only got production against it again with what we said. It was like under center play action stuff in the flat, which the, the reason why they were, I think, spending so much time in under center was because like they weren't trying to challenge anything over the middle of the field with it. So they were trying to force base personnel to isolate quarter flat defenders. Uh, they're just essentially playing cheese ball, small ball stuff in the flat. And then when it was time to go drop back when they were in gun, like they they got very little in structure. It was it was all screens and scramble drill. And and Russ did get some product. I mean, he he did produce in, in that area, um, which is it's it's like very it's it's very Russ, right? Um, but uh, yeah. Um, now a lot of one of the themes here was oh, so someone asks what's with the four man fronts. So that's the whole part of them trying to stay trying to stay balanced right so or not balanced trying to stay aggressive um if you want to live in a too high world you're taking a guy out of the box so you are trying to counteract that by playing bear to help defend the run but then that hurts your pass rush which if the pass rush is so bad when in bear then that hurts your coverage and it's like well, what's the point here so then you try all right four man front paired with too high so that we can have pass rush but then can we defend the run well enough in it um so that will be the test moving forward if they can continue to do that. I think that did benefit them because while the pass rush was not great or even say good, it, it still impacted 
um, especially in the, in the toward the end of the game. I thought Taylor and, and well, mostly was pretty steady throughout. Uh, but I thought Taylor really started to heat up. He was getting held a lot. Uh, but it, it's to give the edge rushers angles so that they can stay um, sound. Um, yeah, and we'll have to see how they do defending the run in that as they go forward. But a lot of their main issues defending the run came, ironically, when they're embarrassed, just those outside runs and the kind of losing, losing, um, you know, edge force and stuff um, and getting poor angles. Um, yeah. So just real quick, that's that's their cover, like eight, what they call. So halves to the strength. There's three guys here. So he's cover two to the strength with his nickel vertical match like they did last year. So he matches this two receiver high and inside, basically stopping him from getting to this open middle of the field. Then we've got quarters on the backside. So we've got this this guy and this guy. And why it works against Russ is Russ ain't going to throw the honey hole shot that often, especially against this kind of look. He was looking a lot of the time at the backside cover, the cover four stuff, um, and he experienced uh, similar difficulties to what he has done against the Rams because obviously they've run this as well. So, okay, so this has to be talked about. Like you just said, he he got a couple of those looks, whether it was against a fire zone or the quarter side, right, when, when they spun to a fire zone. Yeah. And Sutton couldn't get anything down the sideline, and that was because of Tariq Woolen. Like Woolen locked him up on 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 the fade ball and the go ball, so that that's huge. I mean, that's that's like because what did we talk about in the in the preview episode? We were like, that feels like it'll be the main principle. Now, they only scored the D- Denver Broncos. The Russell Wilson led Denver Broncos only scored sixteen points. And, and and Griff, Mike Mike Jackson as well, albeit from off coverage, not press, but. Mike Jackson was over the top of Cortland Sutton when he got tested in the quarter. Like mm-hmm. when, so when, Mike Jackson, he he stays high and inside. Russ looks at it and he's like, "Nah, I'm not, I'm not throwing that because because that's really good coverage." And and Woolen, oh my word! Like watching the tape back, you realize how often he was actually just pressed up on guys and how often he was on an island. Well, figuratively, not not figuratively, kind of because it is still. You still do have your quarters help here. But even when it's trips like this, a lot of the times they'll actually poach this guy here, free this linebacker just to play up in here. And then this is a pure one-on-one up here. Oh, no, not with him. With him, right? That's a pure one-on-one. And Woolen, Woolen was in those situations and was fine. Like, he had the two defensive pass interference penalties. The first one's really ticky-tacky. But other than that, whoa, he was good. And yeah. just the athletic ceiling... Like he's undercutting big roots from press quarters, like easily. Like the athletic ceiling is nuts, and and, and the technique is there. And he didn't get upset like early. I'd have got upset if I give up two defense pass and defense penalties. But he just resets, comes out there, balls out. You know. There, there is another one where they're running a they're running a uh, comeback on him, and he's a little high on it, and they get underneath him. And he baseball turns and spins back to it and doesn't lose a yard of separation and like just soaks, like just like magnetizes right back to the receiver. And I'm just like, wow, that's, that's crazy movement skills. Um, you know, cause he, I mean, he didn't have a Jalen Ramsey three cone, but he had a good three cone for his height, weight, speed, uh, and length. It's just insanity. Um, now the, the one thing I think that, the, as encouraging as like Tariq was and Mike Jackson was, and I even thought Coleman actually played a pretty good game playing his roles, his roles in his new rule and his, Oh my God, playing <laughs> his rules in his new role. You got it. Oh, uh, there we go. I did it. Uh, we, we saw some of like the learning curve that's going to have to undergo that can only happen with experience with like the cloud corner and the vertical hook exchanging like inbreakers and outbreakers with one another. Like that's something. Well, I didn't take it for granted. I I, uh, I yelled it from the rooftops, but that was just something that I think is easier to take for granted because Ugo Amadi and whoever the corners were last year, well, DJ Reed and then Trey Brown and then Sidney Jones, when he was healthy, like they had such great chemistry and they were just not giving offenses anything with combination patterns to the cover two side. And, and Russ, on one of them, he was a scramble, but he it was still staying, like he was still reading out the play on the scramble. It wasn't like from the pocket. Um, 
and then like so Tariq squeezes the inbreaker as a cloud and then sure enough the outbreaker goes over top of him and then the scramble drill pulls him even further out and then they get the the free the the free gainer um out to the uh out to the edge of the sideline but like I could just think well if that was DJ Reed and Ugo Ugo doesn't overrun number two he passes it off and then calmly falls off to the number one and then DJ Reed easily falls off number one and yeah. then and then kind of sails underneath that number two and there's there's mm. nothing there so as as talented as Tariq is that's just like something they're gonna have to build up right like that's that's kind of what they sign themselves up for when they let Ugo go and they let DJ Reed go right yeah so- I, I actually do think as well like in terms of just the nickel conversation like Coleman looked like very much on the athletic edge like I think Brian had a tough rep where he's one-on-one they are clever in that they target it away from where Seattle was rotating high so like the, the middle field safety is not really going to be able to help uh, on, on how quick the ball came out. But, like, I think Bryant's athletic upside and, like, just being, you know, fresher, I think he'll get an opportunity to come back in and, and compete with Coleman because Coleman, look, like, there's a few times where I'm like, oh, he's, like, <laughs> you know, his first game of the season, he's, like, struggling to step, stay in step for step with this guy and he's a nickel, right? So, yeah. but in a lot I of mean, this stuff, it's, it's all it, about, like, mixing up the calls enough. Yeah. Um there is one where he played like a weird technique. I think he thought they were maybe he looked like he was buzzing, but they were too high. Maybe he thought the call was a fire zone and he was supposed to get underneath a comeback. Granted, you are playing against Russell Wilson, so a lot of perimeter throws, right? Yeah. So that maybe that made sense, but then that was the one where Judy just like, okay, I'll just run inward and it's turned into like a diamond slant kind of looking thing, even though it wasn't a slant. And then Judy's screaming across the field on one of those plays in the fourth quarter. Oh, do you remember that one? Um, or, or just Coleman, like even on the broadcast, it looked like a really weird drop. The 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 Judy play, yeah, because it's a fire zone, so he's the seam curl flat player. Yeah, he's holding off the seam curl flat, but like he's so slow getting like, and they are trying to hold it off for a bit of disguise purposes. But then also he's like way he he then like second guesses it into like Judy breaking outside. Um, like that's what I mean by being on the athletic edge because then he gets beat like way into the low yeah. hole where there's no one because I think they had to push to the other side with a fast three. Yeah. So honestly, I'm I, I, sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, just just um definitely a bit open still. Even if Kobe only played one other snap than the play got yeah. beat on, I think I feel like you know they're just settling him down I, I and wish, go again. I wish it was the reverse. I wish it was Coleman and Man just to see what his because I feel like that's just what he's more comfortable with. And Kobe seemed more promising as a nickel for his own purposes. I know, like, this is the whole, you know, topic of discussion with Ugo was that when he's out there, you know you're calling zone, right? So you don't want to become predictable. But I hope that because this was a game where they didn't really have a cover one package that they were going to dip into, next week, if they do that, I hope we see Coleman more man situations and they give Kobe more of the yeah zone situations. Um, so... Because- like they just didn't they did very little cover one this game and when they did they got you know he they got played better. they played cover one robber once and i think they got away of it but yeah they, there's only so much i think with any of the corners i think there's only so much they can play really although woolen's probably the most viable one-on-one dude right now uh it'll this... be interesting once Artie is full go and sydney is full go you know what they finally mix and yeah. match guys I don't mm-hmm. actually think. I think I think both Woolen and Jackson have earned the right to start again. But you're right, yeah. So this is cover six. So it's literally like cover eight, but the opposite. So quarters to the strength, then cover two on the backside. Here you can see. So they go. Uh, Griffin, how how before we preview the 49ers game, just real quick, how good was the pass rush? Watching back, I felt. Uh, Nwosu was way better than I thought on the broadcast. Uh, maybe that's confirmation bias after he won NFC uh, Defensive Player of the Week, but he was so good uh, against the run and the pass. Had a better game than Taylor. Good in coverage as well. Um, really just uh, a, a very exciting first showing for him. He was helped also that he was playing on the right, which helps because they weren't afraid to let the right defensive end take an inside move because they kind of wanted to flush Wilson to the left. Now, I don't actually think that a lot was made about Pete Carroll saying we don't want, we don't mind him moving to the left. 
I don't think I saw as much of like flushing him to the left as I expected. More just they'd rush off uh, Wilson's right, the defensive left, more often and drop Nwosu and, and let Nwosu do inside moves, whereas Taylor didn't get to do inside moves. But there wasn't like real design to do that. But anyway, yeah, Nwosu, really impressive. And- he was, I mean, he definitely outplayed Taylor. He had a, he was just good, all around player. Um, and then Taylor started to come alive a little bit toward the, the final stretch, but it, he wasn't able to impact the play because, well, he did impact the play. Like he flushed the quarterback out, um, but then he was getting held, but like getting held is a good thing. It means you're impacting the game if you get called for it. But so like, the, you know, the, but he didn't get called for it. And, and a couple of them were egregious. My only thing with the holding is like, I, th- I think there were, I counted four or five where it was callable. You don't have to call them all, like let them play, but call one of them just so that the tackle cools their jets you a have little to, bit. Yeah, you have to establish the precedent. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise, as a player, you just do what you can get away you with. Just, you know? just keep doing it, which, you know, compete. That's, that's what I would right. do. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, just call one of them. so Because, like, I mean, yeah. one of them was insane, like absurd, like Fleming tackling. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then Bulls had some really obvious one where he hooked him on the inside move and it's like yeah that's not blocking yeah. um that's awful but uh but, so but taylor was inches away of like he had a couple of splash plays where everyone goes oh taylor would have had a taylor had a great game if he comes down with those two and he, he had some nice rushes around the arc which like forced wilson up like he was doing a good job on the left it's just rushing from the left they really wanted that guy to be the like pocket depth setter you know yeah that's the other thing we have to remember is like they're rushing Russell Wilson, so it's not a normal rush plan, right? They're 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 not rushing a guy who they know is going to stay in the pocket and try to continue to read things out like most would, and then they can you know rush their angles accordingly, right? So like Clint Hurt said, like you know we have to contain him a little bit. We want to flush him, we want to flush him, but we also want to contain him, like not give certain rush lanes. Um, I thought the interior group. Show, I mean, they were sneaky, like impactful, like showing up. Like Quentin Jefferson had like three like side swipe into swim moves, like just yep. kind of he show at his best. Shelby Harris um, had some really good bull rushes. He affected Russ on one of his deep throws. I think he even affected him on the one where affected him on a couple of them actually. But then one of them, one of the two that I'm thinking of was the one where Diggs dropped the interception. I think that Russ couldn't get his whole body into it the way he wanted to because his platform is being rushed into by Shelby. Um, so Shelby was an impact player. I mean, he, he's giving them what they need, I think. Yeah. Big time guy. Um, the defensive line as well, there was definitely a thing of staying central, like trying to be Clint Hurt called it the forest through the trees, like seeing that for Russ, like they were trying to clog that middle up, like the passing lanes uh, because obviously Russ can't see over them. Um, that I think I saw that really going on, and yeah, obviously Shelby Harris was on the injury reports there of a back thing, and he, the play he got hurt on was the goal line stop. We haven't even talked about the goal line stops, but that that was just impressive football from people. But uh, yeah, that Ty, have we done a, a bad job of explaining anything? Is there anything you want to know from the film? Oh, right, Cody Barton. Cody Barton. We had a, and we had a, we had a question about Cody Barton. People wanted to know about Cody Barton. Cody was fine. So he wasn't actually challenged a lot. Like he kind of did his job, but then he made those impact plays, you know, on the screen, right, where he recognized it. Um, and he, made I mean, his he tackles. Didn't get, didn't miss a tackle. He didn't played, get lost. Played he good. Was things right. So like this, the type of things where given enough chances. His 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 process from the Lions game and the Cardinals game last year, he was really good. Is going to continue to project forward. Jordan Brooks was a monster. I mean, in coverage, he was doing absurd things. On like he was covering a stick nod, um, didn't fall for it. Was able to stay in the hip pocket of the uh, the tight end, and then Russ scrambles, so he has to cover him even longer. He's covering him like thirty yards downfield. They had another one, an absurd play on Judy. That was the one where. Russ scrambles. Cody Barton is a zone dropper, so he's not man turning with the. He's a curl. He's not. I don't think he's playing a vertical hook. Just a straight curl and cover two. And that's the one where the receiver just like runs like a semicircle, like a half circle, and just turns around and Russ like spins in the pocket and hits him. Um, so like that was pure scramble drill. But on that play, it's three by one. 
And if you know, and that's an important note because it's three by one and they're giving Jordan Brooks all of number three, meaning you are closing off the middle of the field and we're in cover six, I think, right? And that it was cover two. To, no, it was, yeah, it was cover two to the weak side. So they're saying, right, cover six, right? We're going to double the weak side corner, or the, the weak side receiver, because we don't want to give Russ a one-on-one look on the outside if it's a vertical. That means if we want to remain in too high, you have to have someone closing off the middle of the field. That means we're asking our 245-pound linebacker to do it. And they're willing to do that when there's speed at three, not even a tight end, when there's Jerry Judy in there. He presses vertical, runs as fast as he can upfield. Jordan stays on top of him, but doesn't panic and overrun it because of potential inbreak. Sure enough, Judy drops his hips, Jordan drops his, and then is able to collision with him a little bit and then stay under, stay on him and be able to undercut a potential dig route and then continues to cover him all the way until he gets to that same weak side safety when they get into the scramble drill. So he stayed on Jerry Judy for four and a half seconds. I timed it. Just an absurd play. And that's not just, even though they gave up a completion outside of that, that means that that gives them so much more flexibility. In the too high world, you can, you can when you have a mic that can cover, you can double who you want. You can distribute resources how you want. You're not just locked into having to have that weak safety poach yeah. uh, front side. So it just gives you more options. And it's because yeah. Brooks is, and not for my money, elite. Well, and it's about eliminating explosive plays, right? Like, they just, yeah. you're not going to give up a big play if you, if that guy can do that job. Because that's the hardest role in the defense, which generally the hardest role in the defense is the one which will lead to explosives. Okay, 49ers. Mm-hmm. Ty. Yes. So, Are there any uh, good? a couple things that we need to talk about. Yeah, well, a couple things that we need to talk about before we get into the, to the 49ers themselves. 90% chance of rain on Sunday. George Kittle looks like he's not going to play. Daniel Brunskill, one of their starting offensive linemen, also looks like he's not going to play. He didn't play last week as well, just like Kittle. Uh, and then, of course, Elijah Mitchell, uh, Elijah Mitchell is also out for the 49ers. So um, favorable mm. injury news for the Seahawks on that front. Obviously, though, Shelby Harris didn't practice today so that's bad that's frowny face um 49ers are they good kind of remains to be seen because they played in a monsoon last week and it didn't go particularly well for them and people are already calling for Trey Lance's job um so it's kind of like we still need to see it because those are so such unique conditions uh, for them to play in last week. I mean, the fourth quarter, especially like it was just pouring down rain. There was literally nothing they could do. Like Trey Lance can't throw like no one can throw a football on that. So still kind of a wait and see thing. I don't know. Have you guys watched any 49ers uh, like any of their game from uh, against the Bears? Yeah this week yeah I, I did watch a little bit i mean it's so hard because the conditions were so it was like pig slop out there it was it was really bad um they they run a lot they have the option game or the read game and that that makes you it's gonna i feel like they're gonna force base personnel it's gonna be similar principle in that they're just going to try to i mean seattle's gonna match this now i don't think with a lot of cover one. They'll probably fire zone a lot more. And I meant one high. They'll probably fire zone more, more so to stay gapped out and yeah. run purposes. But they're going to play, I think, maybe like max fit quarters and stuff. But then I worry about. I know, noticed. Will play action shot. I right? noticed against the, the Broncos. Well, one, I don't think they expected the Broncos to play as much heavy, like 21 personnel I form as they did. I think they'd have had like one or two more calls for that, given what actually happened. And also given their struggles against that sort of stuff. Um, and so again, against the Broncos, what I noticed was when when Y was off the line of scrimmage, they played like max fit quarters for that. And I think like to get with all the like the read option stuff and um, well, sorry, it wasn't max fit quarters, but they played quarters. But like with all the, the potential of Lance as a runner and also the way that the 49ers move bodies uh, around like post-snap during the play across the formation, I do think, Griff, I agree, like max fit quarters would be the approach rather than picking a side where you have cover two 
where suddenly if you've got the wrong side, things get a bit difficult, as the Broncos even showed. So the the threat of Lance's run is obviously scary. If Kittle's actually out, that is massive because like he enables them to do so much more in the run game. It's not yeah. just about him as a passing threat. Like His ability as a run blocker and ability to be mobile and be, get out in space quickly, get up to second-level linebackers is big. The one problem against Denver schematically was other than other than like the sides and and then the execution stuff was that issue we've spoke about a number of times of like the five technique where not having a five technique means the backside linebacker gets climbed on against power. So Denver had a few like right. glitzy power runs where there would be more considering what Lafleur does. Yeah, so I, I think I, I tweeted about that. Ah, there we go. The reason for that. So I think I think mm. we see them probably and Clint Hurt mentioned it as well. He was asked about it in his press conference. He mentioned playing with a big five. I think they'll might have to do that for power, like or do a movement into it or something. Because you got to protect yeah. the backside linebacker. I'll just draw that up. Or I mean fire zone with that movement, right? Um Well, we'll probably see some of that that palms fire zone too. Um, which was big for them last year. But I don't know what they're going to retain, what they don't retain. But we'll see what Maddie draws up here. This will be our last uh, graphic of the evening, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I want I want us to get into some predictions as well before we, we hop okay. off. Predictions? I'll, I'll just our, do my... Put our necks out on the line. I'm gonna go. Right. I'm gonna go 27, 27, 20 Seahawks. Mm. Okay. With it being like ninety percent chance of rain, I feel like this is gonna be another. Like it's not gonna be a monsoon, like it was in Chicago, but I feel like it's probably gonna be a sloppy game. I'll go mm, another sub twenty point game. Let's say nineteen. 1917 Seahawks. All right. All right. Yeah, 27 might be fresh with the ring. As you're as you're as you're drawing. There we go. That's the C gap issue. So because this boy is here, he gets caught inside. He's like taking on this tackle. So this tight end has a clean release to come to the backward linebacker. And if they pull this guy round. They get more numbers than the the off the defense has f- to this side, and so the run hits all the way up in this little alley. Um, my prediction is that the Seahawks win. Um, I think they run the heck out of the ball. I think <laughs> they run it probably tr- quadruple, no, treble the amount of times they ran it. Um, mm. And I, I think the 49ers, mm. again, they're like most of the league, they're still like a quarters coverage team. Um with like fire zone stuff to like when they feel run and but I don't think they're as good up front you know like run defense perspective than like what Seattle saw from the Broncos and I don't believe they're like a tight front team right they're not running bare no, they do it with even and they just bait they just yeah. bait on the length of their they're they're, they're doing the width like and then yeah, yeah. they their second level is crazy pursuit between you know Warner, um, their safety. I think what's his name, Hafoanga. I, I might be misremembering. That's that. correct. He looked really good, by the way. Yeah, but, yeah, Talanoa Hafanga. But like, we're talking like heavier personnel stuff than what the Bears did. I think we're talking yeah, exactly. more pistol, so, more 12, 13 personnel again. So we might actually see some constraint runs on like second and short and stuff. I get some advantageous looks. So like when they're in gun. They're going to just straight up run like, you know, long trap or whatever GT counter or GT wrap, you know, straight up just because the look will be beneficial. And if you're so doing that, it means you can Seat- run connections. Seattle's too. answer for that is nickel fire zone. So even front and then. Uh huh. Oh, wait, you're talking about the Fortnite's offense. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Seahawks offense. Sorry. I. I I'm I'm lost. But you're right though. Yeah. They, they when they when they fire the, the 49ers will be more gun um as well I think than oh, yeah. perhaps we expect and that's that's something mm-hmm. which I, 
it'll be interesting to see Seattle's art, like if they have another answer, because so far it's just been nickel, send the nickel fire zone into like bear spacing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Also very interested to see how with Mitchell out, how many more carries does Debo get in that offense? How uh, many can he get, right? Near the goal line. Is, yeah, down near the goal line. Because like how how much is how much are they gonna balance Jeff Wilson with Debo? Because I feel like Debo ends up being the primary guy. Kill and Debo. That's kind of in the, in the past, <laughs> they're basically gonna yeah. in the passing game. I think Shanahan's gonna be he's gonna go for all the the cheese ball stuff combinations on the in the like go wheel just to see see what they can go wheel flat stuff like that just to see what they can get them to the the outside zone defenders to bust like the corners like what we talked about with Woolen and and Coleman but like just see what they can get them to like you know like drift stocks those sort of things to see what kind of fades they can manufacture and stuff um just see if they can get easy money um like like shallow wheels stuff like that i feel like we're gonna see a lot of that there we go all right well it'll be a fun game and it's a bit earlier for me only 9.05 p.m 105 p.m pacific time and it's crazy to me that the seahawks are now 10 point underdogs but how does that happen after beating beating a team that they were 6.5 it's crazy it shows that vegas thinks that they were only up for that they got lucky and they are only up for that denver game because of um like the rust effects but i mean i mean this feels like as even again i mean even if you're low on the seahawks you should i'm I'm quite i'm quite low on trey lance really i mean that's famous he's still just a total wild card he could pop off at any moment or have just toolsy and I, and I don't right. think either one of these teams is going to be able to create enough separation because of the weather. Because it's just going to be kind of a, a sloppy fist fight. Like I, I just ten points is insane. And like what yeah. did what did the like what have the Forty ers shown that warrants that? I mean, like, the, it's just, the, I don't know. Going off of like sure. Monday. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Wow, ten, ten points is egregious. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll enjoy that until that point. If you're still in the stream, please leave a comment in the YouTube section because that does help us. It really does. We appreciate you for tuning in. Uh, If you haven't already, please review us, five-star reviews. Uh, Follow, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Follow everyone on Twitter here. I hope the whiteboard worked. Please do leave feedback. Like If if it was difficult, if I did a bad job, um, if you'd rather just be talky talky then but I, I feel it worked okay we'll we'll have a post production mm-hmm. meeting but um yeah yeah thank you everyone yeah, and uh, a little bit but <laughs> we we appreciate feedback 